the, the shooters, like, there's just so many places you could score a goal on a goalie. And so if I have an idea of how he likes to shoot it, I'm ahead of the game a little bit. That was part of my homework when I played, was to really dig down on the top players on the other side. Welcome back to Season 5 of the Adrenaline Zone. Arguably the highest speed non-motorized team sport in the world is ice hockey. It's so fast paced that players only stay on the ice for a couple of minutes at a time in what seems like for laymen like me to be a blur of action. The hockey puck itself can easily reach speeds of up to 100 miles per hour. And one person's responsible for keeping that puck out of the goal, either at the end of a long range slap shot or in the scrum of bodies that can develop in front of the goal. And that's the goalie. Behind all of that protective padding, it's one of the loneliest positions in sports. Our guest today is Martin Brodeur, who played 22 seasons in the National Hockey League, 21 of them for the New Jersey Devils. He won an amazing three Stanley Cup championships along the way. He's the all-time leader in shutouts and games played, among other records, and he's the only goaltender in NHL history with eight 40-win seasons. He also won two Olympic gold medals with Team Canada, and he's widely regarded as one of the best goaltenders of all time. And of course, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Many thanks to our sponsor for this episode, Culligan Water. Culligan's drinking water systems deliver the superior filtration and refreshing hydration you need to fuel your high-performance lifestyle. Learn more at Culligan.com. We caught up with Martin at his home in St. Louis. So Marty Brodeur. Welcome to the Adrenaline Zone. It's great to have you with us today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, my brother is a big St. Louis Blues fan and a big monster hockey fan. So this is going to be awesome. But let's get started and just tell us about where you grew up and how you got started playing hockey. I grew up in Montreal. You know, obviously, when you're a kid, uh, you know, you're almost born uh, with skates in Montreal. So uh <laughs> Um, I'm one of, uh, you know, five kids in my family. So both my brothers uh, played hockey. My dad used to be a goalie for never played professionally, but he played in the Olympics in 1956, won a bronze medal. So I got a big background in hockey in my family. Like I said, I was fortunate enough to grow up in, in an area that the Montreal Canadian is, is the ultimate, uh, you know, with all the Stanley Cups that they won. It's kind of a great team to be able to be a fan of. When you're learning the game and, and see all the grades that went through that organization and uh kind of was fortunate about that you know uh, every uh every single park had a uh, ice rink so <laughs> there was no excuse if you love the game it was available everywhere you wanted so i guess my friends andrew and jeff molson will be delighted to hear of, of your previous affection for the canadians <laughs> that changed when i got older though <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah so much for that right <laughs> you know goaltenders have a reputation for um being a unique breed of cat, right? It's perceived as a very lonely position with a lot of pressure. So as you grew up into hockey, what caused you to become a goalie rather than some other player? Because you got some serious stick skills that we'll get into that later. The love of the game brought me to goaltending. I started to play hockey, organized hockey. I was four years old. And uh, I had an older brother. I was probably like 16 months older than me. Though. So I was just kind of following him all the time, everywhere and playing hockey. When I was uh, probably, probably like seven or eight years old in the summer. It's time for training camp. And in the previous year, I finished the season on two different teams. Somebody needed a goalie. And I said, well, I'll try a goalie. I've never played goalie in my life. And my dad was super excited because he's never really pushed it on me, you know, as a goalie. 
And so the following year, I just got to the rink and, you know, the coach asked me, he was like, hey, this year, do you want to be the forward or do you want to be a goalie? You could decide. And I was like, I looked around. My dad was not even around me. So I made that decision by myself at like eight years old. So, all right, I'll be a goalie. And it happened to be a pretty good decision on my part. Yeah, I know. The rest they say is history because you have so many personal accolades a few just beginning with the Calder Trophy for being Rookie of the Year, then going on to win like every award a hockey goalie can earn. So as you look back on it all, what do you think it was that gave you such a competitive edge? Well, to me, it was like I said, it, I took anything for granted all my life. I was afraid of not being in the NHL one day. I think I always say that. It's funny. I work, I work in hockey now, and I always tell my goalies, the easiest thing to do is to make it to the NHL. The easiest thing to do is to win a Stanley Cup. But the problem is, it's like to do it again and to stay on top. And that's the pressure that, that a goalie, because you know, it's hard to rely on people around you. It's all about you. And you're, there's only one goalie per team. You know, obviously there's one number one goalie and there's always a backup goalie, but everybody wants to take, have your job. And so the hardest thing is to stay on top. And to me, my idol was Patrick Wise, a guy that played in the league for a long, long time. He was great. He was one of the greatest goalie. But the way I really admired about his game is how consistent he was every single year. He never had a bad year. Even though his teams were, you know, up and down once in a while, his performance, it was always up to par for, for the talent that he had. And it's something that to me was so important that every single year I was getting myself ready to be the best I could be and not let that title go. You know, it's like you get it. It's the hardest thing to do because it's easy to say, ah, oh, I made it. You know what? When you say that, I think that's the start of your uh, of your falling back a little bit. So that's one of the things I think helped me. It's that almost that insecurity to try to be the best all the time and not letting my guards down. And if I felt that 80% of me was better than anybody else's 100%, so I was playing hurt all the time. I didn't want to give an edge to somebody because I had a bad growing or my shoulder was hurting. And I said, you know what? I'll suck it up. I'm just going to plow through it and play through injuries. I think that's what probably made me because just the willingness of me wanting to be the best every single year. That's so true. You know, in so many professions, once you get to the top, it's easy to get complacent and uh, fall right back down. But, you know, you broke in pretty quickly, obviously rookie of the year. So that's not easy to do. What were some of the challenges you had to face early on in your career as a young goalie in the NHL? The pressure of playing in front of 20,000 people, you know, I think the media attention, when you play junior hockey or, or amateur hockey, you don't feel that. You've never heard that. People don't complain about how you play. Nobody really knows and nobody really cares. But when you are a professional, it's a little different. You know, you got to be accountable to your performances. And I think this is where it goes both ways. The accolades are nice, but you could get overwhelming at times too. And so it's how to stay level-headed throughout my first year because I was fortunate to be put in a position to be successful. I had a really good team in front of me. I had an organization that believed in me. And I didn't have to play every single game because they knew I was younger. And I had a really older backup that was a bit older that really took me under his wing. His name was Chris Terreri. And that really, really helped me out. But again, those challenges is like it's the highs and the lows, how to navigate through those that Without much experience, you know, I was fortunate. You know, my father obviously played hockey. My big brother played AAA baseball for Montreal Expos organization. So I do have a big sports background a little bit. But I think where that helped me the most is my father was uh, the official photographer for the Montreal Canadiens. So he worked for the Canadiens for 20-something years, even probably more. 
of the stories that I heard from him towards the, the players that he dealt with, because he was so close to the team. There was a lot of like deja vu for me, like situation I would see. I remember my dad talking to me about it. That was one of the things I could lean on that many other people that didn't have a chance to. So I was fortunate for that. And I've heard about this before. Did the media attention ever bother you at all? Or did you just kind of shrug it off? You know, I embraced it. I was good with them for the most part. You know, you get good days and bad days, like anything. But like I said, like the relationship I had with my with my dad, you know, like sometimes you would miss dinner at the house. And I was like, I was asked my mom, I'm like, what's going on? And like my mom, like there was no cell phone or anything. So we didn't know exactly what was going on. But my dad, his work was to take a picture of, of somebody and he's in the studio and the guy had a practice and the guy made my dad wait for two and a half hours and never showed up. Next thing you know, I heard that story at the dining table. And so obviously when I'm becoming a pro and I'm exposed to these things, the first thing I do is like, I leave my stuff and I go right away to the guy, do what I need to do <laughs> yeah. because yeah. I don't want yeah. him to say that about yeah. me to his family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. So that, that helped me with dealing with that part of the game that I think if you talk around the league, like people, they understand, like for me, game day or not game day, it didn't affect me to, to be able to communicate and give my time to them. You know, I want to rewind a bit because you had such an illustrious career with the New Jersey Devils and, and played with the team at a top performing level for so long. And you talked about the desire to make sure you were doing your best all the time. Did you change your training regime from time to time to adjust to that? And that contribute to your success? Well, for sure. I think as you get older, you know, everything changes. And I think the way that the sport and any sport is the same, people learn different ways to train your eating habits become so different than maybe five years ago. And it just, it evolves every single year. And so, you know, you're fortunate when you play on a professional hockey organization, they have a supporting staff to help you for all that stuff and try to move the right direction. And as a goalie, a lot of it is technique. There's your goalie that comes in, is going to play a certain way, gets a lot of success. It's intriguing for me. You know, now I'm sitting down with my goalie coach, looking at what this guy's doing. Why is it successful for him? Can I incorporate anything into my game that could really maybe help me out? And, you know, like I said, I played for 22, 23 season. So I've seen a lot, you know, like from my day one, just the equipment itself. I mean, it's night and day from the last day I played a hockey game. And so all these things are important. I think you have to adjust. If you want any longevity in what you do, you have to be willing to adjust. Because if you're stubborn about a certain way because you have success, I think that's where you, it becomes a problem a little bit. How much of the way you adjusted and adapted and continued to reinvent yourself meant that the other players, you know, your opposing players couldn't get used to your style of play and try and beat it? Yeah, well, that's, that's the beauty of it a little bit. And it's funny, I had a conversation with one player when I was younger. And so I didn't even start my NHL career yet. We're doing breakaways. And like I said, I, I have my own style, the way I like to play the game, but I really are intrigued and a big fan or student of the game. And so I always look to try to do something different. And so every time you know, we're doing breakaways, like the guy came in like five different times on me, the same player during practice. And I stopped him five different ways. And he's like, what's going on? Like, you don't know what you're doing. I go, well, if I don't know what you're doing, you don't know what I'm doing. So I think that's my to my advantage. <laughs> 
So <laughs> these are things I think you're right. Like when you play and you start changing, people see it, especially now these days, the videos, people are going in, they know exactly. Like to me, I knew exactly the shooters. Like there's just so many places you could score a goal on a goalie to a certain extent, coming from a certain angle. And so if I have an idea of what kind of shots or what, how he likes to shoot it, I'm ahead of the game a little bit. And so that was part of my homework when I played was to really dig down on the top players on the other side because they're the one that they know where they're shooting because half the team are just hockey players and they don't know what they're doing either. So these are the hardest ones for me to stop. But the top players I was really uh, bearing down on. I can imagine that you might even disguise that you're not ready for the shot you know is coming when in fact you really are. It's like it's almost like attempt him to do that. The guy, the guy comes in, you know, like down the wing, and he's a right hand shot, and you just kind of drop your glove, thinking that oh, you know, there's a big spot open on the top there, knowing that that's exactly where he's going to shoot, and so you just take it away from him. You know, it's like a little cow and mouse game. So Marty, you were on a Stanley Cup winning team, and only your second year where your New Jersey Devils swept the favored Detroit Red Wings, if I remember. Tell us how you felt during the final minutes of game four of that series. What was going through your head? We had a three-goal lead, so it was kind of, didn't know better anyway how to react. But to me, it was to, to look around. I was like, obviously, this is the ultimate. I would have quit hockey after that two minutes. I would have been fine with it because this is what I wanted to do is to win a Stanley Cup. That was my dream. But just to look around the fans, especially the, my bench, you know, you look back now, we had grown men crying before. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's you work all your life to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, I was a rookie, but, you know, I got it pretty easy. I won't lie to you. My first year, I lost in the conference finals game seven. The second year, I won the Stanley Cup. So I thought everything's going to be pretty easy. I kind of found out later on that it's not that easy to try to get back at it. But what a moment, you know, my, my dad, my family was there. I had my firstborn was born like the series before on June 8th and we won June 24th. So it was such a great moment. I think that just, like I said, that clock, when they say like it slows down, it really slows down. It's like you, you couldn't wait to get it to zero and it, it seemed forever. <laughs> <laughs> Time dilation. You know, I'd like to hear if you made the moments from other Stanley Cup victories or the Olympics. You were in the Olympics as well, and that had to be a really special moment. Yeah, well, this is two different things, you know, like to me, playing in the Olympics meant the world. You know, like I told you earlier, my father played in the Olympics in 1952. So in 1950, uh, I think it was 1952. Yeah, so my dad played in 56. 1952 was the last time Canada won the gold medal. And so since my dad played in the Olympics, Canada never won the gold medal. Like every, everybody's kind of surprised about that because, you know, you think Canada, you think, you know, the hockey power and all that. So in 2002, when we got to Salt Lake, Wayne Gretzky was our general manager. He created a team that, you know, it was like a dream team for hockey. I mean, from, from Joe Sackick to Steve Eisenman to like, we had a bunch of players, Eric Lindros at the time, Mario Lemieux, Paul Correa. And we just went into Salt Lake City and then took care of business. And, and the support we got from everybody that lived in Canada that, you know, in February in 2002, it was it was amazing. And the adjustment as an athlete, like people say, hey, you know, they're all the best players playing together. You know, for sure, they're going to win. We had 12 captains. So you have to be careful <laughs> how many, who's going to lead who here. Uh, we had about eight centermen. That's what that means. Like the center is going to have to play wing. For a goalie, that's a total different system, total different players that play from you, and you have to perform in a two-week period. 
And so there's a lot of adjustments to be made. And so I'm we're really proud of us, of all of us, that when we go to these tournaments, to be able to, to gel together and be able to perform. And and when does when it goes bad, like we lost our first game against Sweden that year in the premier games there. How do we bounce back from that? Like we don't know the character of all the players because we're all from different teams. We've had one or two practices before the Olympics starts. We're all playing in our own little niche in the United States and Canada before that. So yeah, it was crazy. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Stanley Cups is different. It's you win with your family. You know, it's a playoff that lasts over two months. There's teammates of yours that you play for 10 years together. There's guys that just got traded. You know, you have relationship with the parents, with the wife, the kids. It goes a long way. So like Stanley Cups to me, it means the world too, just because there's so much that could go wrong for that long, you know, and there's 31 teams that wants the same thing as you. So it's an, not an easy trophy to hoist, that's for sure. So Marty, as a goalie, you had to face the best players on the planet. So, so tell us, who were some of the toughest opponents that you faced and how did you go about stopping them? I was fortunate. I played some against some great players. I think Mario Lemieux is probably the guy that was one of the top players. They was still Close to his prime. I played against Wayne Gretzky, but he was a bit older. But Mario was right there. He was so good. And obviously, there's players that they're really good, but they play at a different conference. So you don't see them as much. But sometimes when people are rivalry players, like Pittsburgh and New Jersey is a big rivalry, we got to face them. And and if it wasn't Mario, it was Mario and Jagger, you know? And so there was a lot of talent there in Pittsburgh. But Mario Lemieux, I remember, I think the first game, he scored like three goals. I couldn't even stop him. Second game, he scored two goals. Third game, I think he scored another three goals. And I was like, am I ever going to be able to stop that guy? And finally, I, it was like the biggest win. It's like when he didn't score a goal on me. He had probably four assists. <laughs> but at least he didn't score. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's one of the guys that give me a lot of trouble. But I was not the only one. So that's good. Water is the ultimate health drink. And it's not just about water that's good enough. You deserve water you love. With Culligan's filtration systems, you'll get the superior quality and pure-tasting, ultra-refreshing hydration you can count on to power your performance. Their smart reverse osmosis systems take it to the next level, helping you set hydration goals, track how much you're drinking, and even see what contaminants are reduced in your water so you know you're always getting the exceptional water you need to truly feel good inside and out ready to face the day and whatever challenges it brings. Learn more at Culligan.com. The goalies, you know, there's one per team and you're in the spotlight all the time. So there's a lot of pressure. You can't hide from your mistakes as a goalie. Every, you know, they're magnified just because of the impact a single goal can have on a hockey game. So how did you deal with that mentally game to game on a nightly basis? It was the fun of being a goalie. You know, first of all, as a kid, it was like great because, hey, I played the whole game. I was on the ice. So that, <laughs> so that, that's what I love about being a goalie. I didn't have to go sit on the bench. But I think the pressure of having the game in your hands, regardless of what type of game it is, like you're a deciding factor, I would say, for 90% of the game, probably more. Because if you decide to let the puck goes in, your team's not winning. And to me, it's a little bit like a pitcher or a quarterback, like you're, you're on your own bubble and you know, there's not many people talking to you. You get in your own head at the same time, but the pressure for me was the ultimate. I love being the man, you know, and, and getting those accolades. And I was strong enough to take the blame when it was due, you know, and to me, my, 
I grew up, my father always told me, it's like, be nice with your teammates because you don't want like 10 players to play against you. So that's one thing, the relationship I had with my players, not too many defensemen had to pay meals on the road, put it this way. I want to make sure that everybody's fed well so they could block shots for me when I was out of position. So, uh, Marty, you were, uh, if I've got this correct, you were known for a stand-up style of goalie play as opposed to what's called a butterfly technique. Now, not all of our listeners are steeped in hockey. Can you tell them the difference between the two and when you would use one and not the other? You know, I was like more of like a stand-up hybrid goalie, so I, I would go down once in a while, but not as much. I think what happened is the game has changed a lot in the last 20 years, especially at the goalie position. You know, like goalies now are, are, are big guys that cover a lot of net. And so like anything in business and analytic, it becomes a huge part of our sport. And so it's all about percentages. So how do you create a style of goaltending that gives you the best chance to stop the puck without moving too much or having to go side to side as fast as, as we used to when we played? Because we played out of the field, the field of the game when, when I played. So we were standing up. We were more on our skates. Now goalies are more on their knees and they, they're sliding across. So, you know, obviously, like the percentage of the shots was always going to be the low part of the net because... If you look at the people in front, you got legs and skates or you got pads and body that are really big. So everything, shots are low. So how do you put a style that you cover the lowest part of the net first? And that's what Butterfly came in. To me, I really enjoyed playing the game and making the save and reading the plays. And so I needed to be a more of a stand-up kind of a hybrid goalie because being on the ice all the time, I just didn't feel comfortable as far as controlling the game. But it's everybody's different. I was a really good skater. Like I said, I, pl I played forward till I was eight and I wanted to be a forward. My game with my stick ending ability, you could tell that, you know, the hockey sense was there and I was able to read plays. And by doing that, I created my own style that was more of a hybrid type of goalie stand up than a guy that would automatically go down. And that's what most, I would say 99% of the goalie right now are butterfly goalies or goalies that will go down. I work in, in the business and like, if you're not a guy that is at six foot tall, at least, and that's on the small side, teams are not looking at you anymore. Like guys are like six, five, six, seven, six, 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 four. I mean, they're monsters plus the equipment, plus the skates, plus the way they play their style. It becomes harder. And you know what? The NHL, the, you have to give credit to the NHL, like the players, the skill level, the goals are up and the goalies are getting bigger and bigger. And not because they're worse goalies. It's just because they made tweaks to the game as far as the hooking, no red line, just uh, less interference in the game. Guys are able to work their skill. Smaller players are capable to play now. Before it was more of a rough and tumble type of uh, game. Now this is fun hockey. That's what I do for a living now. I watch hockey every single day. It still amazed me. And you're like, you're thinking like, thank God they weren't that good when I played. I'm not sure <laughs> if I would been able to do it. I know the feeling. <laughs> I have that same thought every time I talk to some of these amazing engineering students. So you covered some of the physical parts of playing goalie. Let's talk about mental because it requires focus 100% of the time for three periods, maybe for overtime. You have to get in that zone and stay there. That can be exhausting. So how do you manage that? Well, you know, we have breaks in hockey. You got to take advantage of those. So, you know, between whistles, this is where you have to. You know, like and when I talk and when I teach kids or talk to my goalies when they're going through some rough patches, I'm always intrigued to see what they do in between whistles, where their head's at. What do you think? 
how's your breeding technique outside of playing the game? To me, that's the most important part is to be able to get out and come back into the game. It's hard to be focused for 60 minutes. You know, obviously the puck's not always in your zone, so you're able to take some breather at times, but you still got to pay attention. There's a lot more to it. When people, you look at hockey, you see the players, but as a goalie, the matchup, who's on the ice against who? Is there a place that there's a weakness on our team right now because one guy's on the ice and he shouldn't be on the ice because the other guy's on the ice? So there's a matching lines. And so as a goalie, you have to start understanding. And so if you get in trouble, you got to be able to think, say, hey, I'm going to freeze the puck right now, even though I should play and let it go. I need my coach to make a change here. So mentally, I got to be sharp enough to recognize there's a mismatch. If you're not allowing yourself to get out when you can between whistle, it's hard to do because you're going to start missing things. You really have to be like sharp when you're in that, you know, and that's to me, whenever the whistle is there, I would always skate out of my crease, get out of where I'm my house that usually is the crease. I would get out of it, start breathing really heavily to get the most oxygen possible to find myself relax and really like get out of the game. And next thing you know, you just got your own little routine. You get back to your crease and next thing you know, the puck drops and boom, you're back on your concentrating, you know, and then it's the in and out. And, you know, obviously it goes further, you know, it goes, all right, now you get a bad goal. Something bad happened to you. How do you get out of it? You know, for me, it was like visualizing the game was a big part of my preparation. Before I started a game, I would visualize the team that I'm playing against probably 30 different opportunities to score on me with their players in my own head, closing my eyes. When I got to the game, there's things that would happen that I would see it before it happened because I just saw it in my mind. And it's the same thing when I got a bad goal. Before they dropped the puck at center ice, I would just see myself stopping the shot I just let in. And next thing you know, whenever that puck dropped, I forgot about it because, you know, in hockey, the next shot is always the most important part. You know, like the one that just passed, like it, even though it's a great save, it doesn't count anymore. It's done. It's what you do next. These episodes keeps happening and it goes on for 60. And sometimes you're right with the overtime. Like I had some four period overtime on top of my three periods of hockey. You know, remember we, we had a chance to win the Stanley Cup against Dallas in game five. We lost in third overtime. It was a zero zero game to push it to game six that we won in second overtime. To win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> wow, so, that's a marathon. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> think about this a little bit. <laughs> Whoever erases you because it's crazy. It's for the Stanley Cup. You know, it's not for uh, just a win. You know, a lot of goals are scored, and you know, this big scrum, massive bodies in front of the of the goal. But sometimes it's you and that uh, against just a shooter, right? Uh, it's a breakaway. It's a penalty shot. It's a shootout. You could either say, you know, oh, it, I got to fix this, or okay, dude, come at me. I'm going to stop you. Uh, what was going through your head when there was some kind of breakaway and it was just you against a shooter? It's a huge challenge. I think for f you go in and next thing you know, you, your body changes completely when there's a big chance like that coming in. And it's like, now you zone in, you're one-on-one. -on -one. You don't have to worry about a pass. You don't have to worry about like somebody maybe pulling him a little bit. That's going to change the way he was going to shoot the puck. The guy's all alone. And so now it's all about reading the play. It's like, you're going to go in. Is the guy a lefty or righty? Where's the puck? Is it on the side of his body or it's in front of his body? You know, and so you start recognizing all these little things. You look at his eye. Is he looking at the puck or he's looking somewhere over my shoulder? Is he looking at my fire, like in between my legs? I kind of put everything together and now I'm trying to read what he's going to do. 
And sometimes I would just move on one side of the net, like I said earlier, and just give up something that he sees that I'm giving up. If I see that he's recognizing and I'm do that, doing that, you know, most of the guys will try to beat me where I'm giving it up. So I think that's to my advantage. But these are kind of game a little bit. You kind of read the body language. This happens in like two, three seconds, you know, and you just kind of process all that stuff. And after that, it's, you know, it's a shot and we could miss the net. <laughs> if you're in good position, he could hit you. He could miss a shot or he could score a nice goal. So let's talk about a different kind of risk. You know, we've been talking a little bit about being the goalie and that pressure and that risk and having to manage that. But there's also risk of injury because hockey is a very violent sport. And every time I've watched it and people are crashing into the wall, I'm wincing because they're going at high speed and it's like a smush. The puck is very hard. It moves very fast. So how did you approach that risk? And were you injured a lot? I was fortunate not to be injured too much. You know, obviously I played hurt a lot. It's a lot different to be hurt than being injured. I always say that to people. <laughs> I go, if you're injured, you're injured. If you're hurt, you could play. I definitely had a couple uh, different episodes. You know, it's a game. It's a game. You, you know, you sign up for this. As a goalie, it's not as violent, obviously. I think the puck is the enemy. You know, that thing's coming pretty hard. I think your flexibility, the people that run into you, this is a problem with your knees, your ankles, your hips. I had uh, one big injury. And it's a wear and tear injury that I got. I tore my bicep. You know, it happened in the game and I missed uh, 50 games for it, four months. In 2009, I was a bit older at the time. And again, like my bicep never hurt it before. And the guy shot the puck over the net. I went to grab it and I felt like somebody kind of came in with a stick and kind of darted me right in the bicep. It was like that painful. And I looked around and there was nobody around me. And then after that, I couldn't support my arm. My arm kept on falling down because I had no more bicep. They stopped the play and I turned around. It's like, dude, we, we got to get you to surgery. So within a day or two, I was getting surgery. They reattached everything. And it took four months and I played for another another 12 years after that, probably. So uh, that's the only big one. You know, you get the tweak knee, bad growing, stuff like that. But I, like I said, I was really fortunate. And I played a lot of games, and I think I think that was probably the reason why I didn't get injured a lot, because my body was trained to play at that high intensity all the time. It's like when you stop and you have to do it over, and it, put it this way, I wouldn't go on the ice now and do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, real quick then, you know, in soccer, they have kind of, I don't say rules, but they definitely watch out for the goalie when because there's a lot of collisions in soccer, although not at the speed on, is on the ice. Do they have certain kind of rules or guidelines or protections for goalies for collisions and things? Or are you just like another player on that respect? No, like go, goalies is off limit in hockey. I mean, guys will go to the net, will run into goalies. Most of the time, they're going to get a penalty. A lot of it is sometimes your defenseman is trying to cover and pushes the guy. I mean, it's a fast game. Accident happens a lot. But, you know, the only thing that they do for really protection is it's like they have an unbelievable uh, concussion protocol now in the NHL. So if the goalie gets hit and he gets up, he's a little bit wobbly, they're going to take the goalie out right away. We didn't have that in my day. Like, they just say, yeah, suck it up. It's fine. But I think it's a good thing because of the lack of interference and hooking and all that. The game is so fast. So there's accident that happens out there. And I think guys don't want to hurt each other. It's just, it just happened because you know what? You do everything you can to win. Competitive spirit at work. So Marty, a couple of fun questions here. One, you actually scored three goals as a professional hockey goalie, right? The only person who's ever done it. 
How did those happen? And I think one of them was a bit of an accident, right? Actually, two of them is a bit of an accident, but who cares? <laughs> I still yeah, know. right. Hey, it counts. Absolutely. <laughs> so my first one was uh, in the playoffs against Montreal, 1997. And uh, this is the, the real one that I really scored. So I can, at least I scored one real one. Just kind of stopped the puck behind the net. Everybody kind of dove towards me and I was able to shoot the puck over everybody's head. It landed in between the red line and the blue line on the other side of the ice and just kind of filled its way through right into the net and, uh, like I said, in the playoffs. So that was kind of pretty cool. The other one, that was kind of a, it was a funny one because I, I didn't even know, like, I was credited with the goal. So it, it was kind of funny. I made a save and somebody got a penalty. So there was a delayed penalty. So the goalie on the other side in hockey, when you have a delayed penalty, you, you skate to the bench to have an extra attacker before the team that was penalized touched the puck for a whistle. So the goalie's out. There's six attacker for the Flyers. The guy grabs the puck off of my rebound, skates out of the zone towards the red line, you know, to recruit. And my player just whacks him in the gloves and he shoots the puck in his own net. And so because I'm the last guy to touch the puck, I get, get credit, credit for the goal, <laughs> but it doesn't stop that. So that that puts the game 3-1 for us. And that was in the middle of the third period. At the end, the Flyers scores on me to make it 3-2. We finish, we win 3-2, and who's got the game winner? Me. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So that was the funniest yeah. one. And the other one was against Carolina. It's similar. I made a save on a breakaway. The guy got pulled for a penalty, and the guy tried to shoot it back at me. He missed me, and the goalie skated off, and it went off the board, back into the net, and I was credited for the goal. So, like I said, I didn't do much, but hey, who cares? It's how many goals Take you scored. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, exactly. I love well, it. Well, you know, in addition to that, you know, having an NHL record about how many goals a goalie scored, you also have a rule named after you, the Brodura rule, based on your puck handling skills and i was reading about it and i didn't quite follow all the intricacies but how did all that come about yeah so you know like i said i, I was really active playing the puck so they they kind of i kind of looked up at ron Ekstall, it's an old goalie for the flyers that used to be like a, a third defenseman out there he was roaming around making plays i really worked at my game to do that it became really effective and because of that, there's a lot of other goalies that start and do the same. And it became a problem for the NHL because there's like, well, we're not allowed to hit them. They're going out of their net. They're making plays. It's harder to score goals because the goalies are controlling everything. So they decide to put those trapezoid behind the net. So these are the lines for almost from the goalposts and an angle. The goalies are not allowed to play the puck in those areas anymore. If I touch it there, it's a penalty. So that's what they call the Broder Rural. I was I was allowed to play right behind my net and in front of the goal line, but not in the corners. I don't know. They said the Broder Rural, but there's other guys that affected it too. So it's like the inverse penalty box in soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we get closer to the end here, Marty, because this has really been a fun conversation. For it us, really has. What kind of advice would you give? And you do this every day because you're still in the business. Aspiring goaltenders who hope to follow in your footsteps. To me, it's like you never know when your opportunity is going to happen. You have to give yourself a chance and you got to show the people that are, you know, are involved in your career any possibility of getting a break. You know, like you can't give them a reason not to look at you. And so by saying that, it's like just be yourself, work as hard as you can, be a good person. That goes a long way. Be a good teammate. 
I say that to these kids all the time. Like, you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's watching. And that's the biggest thing. Because while you're going to put your guard down, this might be your best opportunity ever in your life and you'll never know it. You know, your career is short. I played for 20-something years. There's not many goalies that played that long. I'm, you know, I played the most game ever. And I still feel my career was short because I still would love to do the same thing I did for the past 20-something years. And so, you know, just live in the moment and make sure you do whatever you can to you know, stand out and be a good person at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome advice. It goes by so fast, doesn't it? So one final question as we close. Any predictions for the upcoming season? What do you think is going to happen? You know, Obviously, what? Devils, because that's who you're working for. <laughs> well, but, we, had, uh, we had a tremendous yeah. season last season, so hopefully we'll be able to continue in that, in that vein, that's for sure. I think it's hard to tell. You know why? Because hockey is such a... In the summertime, there's a lot of changes in teams, a lot of new personnel. And it always takes a couple of months to see like what worked and what didn't work. And so it's hard to predict. You know, you're you're gonna have your Toronto Maple Leaf that's gonna be good. I think the Devils will be a decent team. I think Colorado is gonna be a really good team. Also, LA had a great season last year. We'll have the Carolina is gonna be a great team. I mean, who's gonna fall and who's gonna step up? Like, is it Detroit this year that's taking a step up? Is it Buffalo? Is Tampa Bay taking a step down? Who knows? Like I said, it takes time. In hockey, it's not like other sports. There's a lot of things. Injury is a big factor. Players are are, uh, really important to their franchises. And like I said, there's a lot of movement. You look at Pittsburgh. uh, Yesterday, it acquired a big defenseman out of San Jose. That changes the complicity of our division. You know, the Metro division, having a player like that coming in to play us. So we'll see. We'll see. But I would bet on the Devils if you guys bet. <laughs> I almost I almost wore my Tom Wilson jersey. I was hoping you'd say the Capitals, but yeah. <laughs> you're getting a little long of tooth. But, uh, who knows? Well, you would love to have him, though. That's a good yeah. player right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really been fun. We've, as I said, we've always wanted to have a, a, a gifted hockey goalie on this show. And, uh, it's been terrific talking with you. And uh, yeah. good luck to the Devils this year. Well, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. That was former professional hockey goalie and three-time Stanley Cup winner Martin Brodeur. I'm Sandra Magnus. And I'm Sandy Winnefeld. Thanks again to Culligan Water for sponsoring this episode. Your life is about taking risks your water shouldn't be. Learn more at Culligan.com. And join us next week for another edition of The Journaling Zone, And be sure to tell your friends all about us.